Amen. Let's yeah, see, we're waiting on Facebook to catch up and go live with us there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Good morning, folks. This is Pastor Rob Hale, and this is Withered Hand Ministries. Uh, morning devotional or daily devotional, Monday through Friday. Uh, however, I might go ahead and just do uh, seven days a week for now, uh, temporarily. We're going to go through this book. Uh, we've been going from the Sunday school lesson there at Lee Street, but my daughter uh, turned me on to the book. Uh, if you can see it there, Why Pray? Okay. By uh, John DeVeres, uh forward by Erwin W. Lutzer. And it's 40, Why Pray? 40 Days from Words to Relationship. And we're just going to go through this, this book here. And 40 days later, we'll be at the end of it, right? Lord willing. We'll see what happens there from there. He uh, is dedicated to thousands of faithful friends who, through their prayers and sacrificial gifts, have become rivers of life to millions in India. So the author has a heart for India. He says, Dr. John DeVeres is a member of a Christian nonprofit organization, two of them, Mission India and Reaching America Ministries. You will notice frequent reference to the people of India in this book. You will also sense his deep love for India, the United States, and his intense desire to see both nations transformed through the glorious good news of the gospel message. John DeVeres, uh, no, John invites you to visit the Mission India website, www.mission-india.org, to learn more about Mission India. You may also contact Reaching America Ministries at www.reachingamerica.net to order more copies of Why Pray or view other books written by author John DeVeres. All right. So today, day one, why it pay? Why does it pay to pray? Uh, does it pay to pray? And I think for a second time, let's just go through it here. I got plenty of time today. Um, week one, why pray? Week two, why pray first? Week three, why pray for neighbors? Week four. How should we pray? Week five, three foundations and three functions of a home of prayer, building a home of prayer every day is the epilogue. Forward. Let's see. You hold in your hands a small book that has the potential to revolutionize your prayer life. Explanation point. Yes, I know that countless volumes some of them large, have been written on prayer, but this book is unique. First, it is practical. John DeVeres does not answer all of our theological questions about prayer, but he is interested in helping us take seriously the exercise of faith, faithful intercession. In his matter-of-fact style, he is telling us that God actually does answer, and if we are faithful, the Almighty will respond in ways that we have not all possible. This book is excellent for beginners in the school of prayer, but it is also helpful for those of us 
who have taken prayer seriously for many years. Here is a simple plan for motivating us to do what we know we should do, what we should, and do it better. <clears throat> Second, this book stresses what we need to hear. The purpose of prayer is not so much as to get answers from the Almighty as it is to have fellowship with the Almighty. Amen. Exclamation point. The illustration of grandchildren, of, of, of the grandchild who delights in his grandparents by his relationship and not how much he can do is worth the price of the book. John knows that many of us become discouraged because we do not get answers to our prayers. We would be better served if we would enjoy the presence of God rather than the presence from God. <laughs> Did you hear that? We were to, if we were to enjoy the presence of God rather than the presence of God, from God rather. Third, the power of this book is demonstrated by this lifestyle and experience of its author. When I met John perhaps 15 years ago, I was impressed by his simple commitment to prayer and how he assured that God would respond. And when, he, when I learned more about his missionary work in India, I realized that he was speaking about prayer from his own life and ministry. More recently, I had the privilege of being with John at a Bible conference and hearing of the great advance of the gospel through Mission India, founded by John once again. I was led to marvel at God's goodness in answering prayer as churches are being established throughout the land. One example after another was given of the difference that prayer makes. John Bunyan, in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, says that when Christian went knocking at the gate of the castle, the barking of a dog frightened him, and he stopped knocking. Just so, when we knock on the door of heaven, it is easy to be distracted and back off. This little book reminds us that we must continually come to the throne of grace, even when the initial answer appears not to be so appears to be no. In my own life, I have I've learned that we need consistent or constant stimulation and encouragement in our prayer life. It is really true that prayers is always a battle and that we must preserve or persevere rather if we are to see the victories we desire. My story woke up yeah, I don't believe. This little book will help us keep looking to the Lord and help us remember that although we must come to the Lord occupied with our need, we must leave occupied with our God. Don't read this book in one sitting. Better to read a few pages a day and practice what you read. Remember, prayer changes things. And that's signed by Irwin Lesser of the Moody Church of Chicago. <clears throat> Preface. Why pray? John DeBerry teaches us that the prayer is something far more profound than merely a tool to get something from God. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is beyond words. Prayer is the primary expression of our love for God. We pray because we have been born again to a new life in Christ. And the primary expression of that new life in Christ is living is living a relationship with Him 
expressed in prayer. In this book, the Briars encourage us to hope to make our homes homes of prayer every day. <coughs> and through such prayer, relationships with our Savior bringing hope to our families. Hope is expectation. Peter tells us that we are born again to a living hope. To pray is to live in a relationship of exciting expectation as we wait to be continually surprised by our Lord and Savior. We bring hope to every home when we make it a home of everyday prayer, of prayer every day. Homes of prayer every day. This uh, acknowledgments. This book would not have been possible without a myriad of people <clears throat> from whom I have learned much about prayer. Leading the list is my wife. I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce it. Adelaide. Adelaide. Together over the past 46 years, we have built our own home of prayer every day. But there have been many others on our prayer pilgrimage, not the least of which were the many with whom we met every morning at 7 a.m. for prayer these past 20 years. I am so grateful to the 7,000 Indian India intercessors who pray for our minister daily. So much of that I have learned about prayer has been taught by our Indian staff, Billy Kamala, and so many other fantastic prayers in India. Prayers in India. And the 700 partner missions and churches that, we, that they serve. Their passionate prayer lives have often left me feeling a spiritual, like feeling a spiritual midget. I have much, I have so much to learn. I think of Ken and June Holt Fuller, with their passion for missions and their dedication to prayer, who have for over 20 years begun each day in prayer with us. And I think of others who faithfully join us in prayer, such as Arnie and Mary Lynn, now in eternity with the Lord. I am grateful to literally thousands of India intercessors throughout the U.S., U.K., India, and the people who regularly pray for us. Most of all, glory and praise to my Lord Jesus Christ, who has made a small beginning in teaching me to pray. How I look forward to that day when communication and relationship in will be made perfect. Amen. Introduction. I found that prayer comes more naturally to Eastern people than to Western people. I'm not certain why this is, but I found new converts in India without any training and direction make their homes homes of prayer every day. They do it naturally. Perhaps, perhaps this happens because they live in a culture that values dependency on family and gods. 
We live in a self-sufficient culture that values independent thinking and living. I believe that we limit ourselves to a boring and predictable life when we eliminate God's surprises and answers to our prayers and ask him merely to bless our plans. God loves surprises. Amen to that. And the only certainty, certainty uh, and the only certainly certainty he desires in our life is that we be certain of him. This is true. I often think that we don't know more about heaven because God, like a parent at Christmas, wants to surprise us and won't tell us what is in this eternal present reserved for us. Prayer is our love relationship with God in which we present our needs. Excuse me. Eyes are tearing up on me here. Excuse me. Needs and then live in an exciting, trust-filled wonder and anticipation of the unexpected in ways, ways that God will work. We are certain only that the fact that he will work is wonder, in his wondrous ways. What he, what he does is always beyond anything we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 This book will help you lead your family into new dimensions of prayer, true, effective prayer, and hope, anticipation, always go hand in hand. Thus, we have a simple acronym, HOPE, H-O-P-E, which you can make your home a home of prayer every day. You will bring hope to your family. The 40 meditations in this book help you to understand the unique relationship between hope and prayers. The book is divided into five weeks and concludes with a five-day epilogue. It can be used in family devotions or in small group study. The goal is to assist you in making your home a home of prayer every day. The first week's devotions cover the importance of prayer. In this section, we learn about praying because of God, of who God is and because we are made in his image. God calls us to pray. In fact, prayer is a natural relationship between God and human beings. The second week's devotion are about priorities in prayer. Too often we confuse our priorities. When we should be walking and talking with God, we're racing off to something that seems very important at the moment. Instead of praying, we deal with little emergencies, agonize over problems, create plans, throw ourselves into projects. Even churches and mission groups lose their sense of direction from time to time. During the third week, we focus on praying for our neighbors. Too often, our neighbors wind up on the bottom of our prayer list. We ought to heed the prophet Samuel's word of caution. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. 1 Samuel 12:23. Praying for our neighbor is so important that failure to do so is actually a sin against God. Could it be that the evils in our cities, crime, violence, family deterioration, problems in schools are due in part to the fact that we aren't praying faithfully for our neighbors? In the fourth week, we consider the question, how should we pray? It is interesting 
that when Jesus' disciples had the opportunity to ask their Lord for something special, for some special training, after being with them for almost three years, they chose the topic of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. They asked Jesus, responded by giving them an outline of a conversation with God, an outline we now call the Lord's Prayer. Like any conversation between a friend, the Lord's Prayer is made up of four parts, a warm-up period in which one person lets the other one know he is interested in him and is excited about being there, two, a time of sharing, three, a time of reacting, four, a conclusion or a wrap-up. In the last seven devotional readings, we explored this outline and walk with God through the conversation described by God's own Son. In the fifth week, we see what the person who prays becomes, namely a royal or ruling priest. In the epilogue, in the fifth week, we see that the person who prays becomes, namely, a royal or ruling priest. I felt necessary to read that twice. In the epilogue, we review five simple steps toward making your home a home of prayer. You need to read through the 40, day, the 40 daily devotionals in this book. You'll notice that each reading concludes with an idea to spark discussion as well as a brief topic for meditation. These rest stops along the way are valuable for personal reflection or are for use as discussion starters in family devotions, prayer, group, home Bible study groups, or Sunday school classes. I wish you a wonderful journey. May you be like a little Andrew in the devotional reading of day two. Sit on God's lap and feel his strong arms enfold you. Signed, John DeVries. DeVries, I guess it's his name, DeVries. Right. Day one. Does it pay to pray? He was very he was a very serious man, and the question he asked me was well intentioned. Does it pay to pray? Being a businessman, he knew he could not keep his business running smoothly unless he continually asked, Does it pay? Many of his friends were out of business because they had failed to ask that question. So it was a natural for him to pose this question to me after what had been happening in our church. For six months, I had been challenging the church as his pastor to join me every morning at 7 o'clock, seven days a week, for prayer. To my surprise, 56 people had shown up the first morning, and soon afterward, the number had settled down to 30 or 40 regulars. We experienced thrilling times as we saw 27 answers to our prayers and carefully tracked them for the rest of the church to see. One week, we tallied 49 distinct answers to prayer. But, th but then something happened. It seemed as if God had turned off the power supply. We prayed and prayed, but no answers came. It soon got so bad that we finally dared to pray for, for anything. It seemed as we got the opposite of what we requested. If a couple was having a marital problem and we prayed for them, it seemed that 
they were certain to get a divorce. If someone was seriously ill and we prayed, it seemed inevitably he or she got worse or even died. Several members of the prayer group suffered terribly with sickness and family problems. It was in this context that my friend asked, John, does it pay to meet at church every day to pray? I was stunned because I had been growing delusioned with prayer and confused, confused with God. Before we started our prayer program, I thought that if we had prayed as Christians in Korea had done, surely God would come and do for us what I thought he had done for them. Our church would expand. We would see miracles. Amazing things would happen. Never did I expect that when we prayed, the very opposite of what we asked would happen. I thought for a moment about my friend's question and replied, I guess it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, why do you do it? He asked. Because there must be some other reason for praying than, than, it pay, than, than that it pays, I answered. Since then, God has shown me that my answer was, was from him. If I were to respond to my friend, I would ask him, does it pay to talk to your wife? Think about it. Immediately. Answer, of course. Think of how troubled our marriage would be if we didn't talk. But let me press the question further. Do you talk to your spouse because it pays or because of love? You see, if you talk to someone only because it pays, you're doing it for a selfish reason. When we view prayer in terms of the number of answers we get, and when we track our answers in prayer journals, just to be sure our time is well spent, we are not wrecking our relationship. Are we not wrecking our relationship with God? Do you evaluate every conversation with your spouse or the dear friend in terms of what you get out of it? Consider the relationships in your life, friends, spouses, companions. Any positive relationship with another is a source of hope. To that end, when someone dies close, we feel hopeless in the sense that we cannot hope for a future with that person, at least in this life. Living love relationships provide hope, meaning, and significance to our lives. And the ultimate love relationship can be, must be, the one that we have with God. This is why we must never prostitute prayer, degrading it in our perception of God, and in some mechanical program for getting our way. Rather, prayer must be as a living and natural and exciting as sharing our hearts with a friend. We must broaden our understanding of prayer if we wish to make our home a home of prayer of your day. Reflection. Do you tend to look at prayer in terms of answers rather than an ongoing relationship with your closest friend? Meditate. Prayer is not a program, but it is a relationship. Amen. Well, I'm excited about this book. Thank you, Lord. Never considered that way of uh, uh, naming answered prayers as prostituting 
your faith in God. See, this is what I understand about prayer. I know God answers prayer and he loves to confirm his word. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. Now, if the Holy Spirit inspires that word in you and you're quickened by the Holy Spirit and you speak out those words that the Holy Spirit is quickening you with, then it is the Holy Spirit praying through you in you and through you, and you're releasing those words into the atmosphere that changes the whole environment. And we're talking spiritually. So isn't prayer, the author's talking about hope, a home of prayer every day. Amen. Our homes to return back to a sanctuary. Amen. A home that pray for our neighbors. Amen. A home that prays for our government. Amen. A home that prays for our nation. Amen. Our cities. Our jobs. Our ability to live in peace, even as the Apostle Paul commanded us to pray in the book of Romans. I'm kind of when I pray about something, I believe it and I give it to God. How he chooses the answer to that prayer is certainly his business. But if I'm praying with the heart and compassion of the Lord, and again being quickened by his Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit's trying to do something in my life and in the life of someone else there as well depending on the maturity of the situation, both mine and the other person. Nonetheless, I love the author's redemption of the surprise, because that's definitely our God. That's definitely our Father. He likes to to surprise us, but he likes to confirm his word. And I just, I thank him for who he is and his goodness and his mercy. I thank him for his presence and not his presence. That's so good. I like that. I think I used that back in the 80s or 90s. Anyway, Father God, may you, Lord, I ask you that you bless all that hear this message today. Father God, that you lead them and you guide them and you direct them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Father God. And Lord, that you just fill up their day, surprise them with your goodness and your mercy. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. My eyes are water. All right. Goodbye and God bless. See y'all.